Good morning, church family. My name is Rob, and I'm a pastor here. It is good to see you this morning. I missed being with you last week. Uh, I was with my family down beach in North Carolina, enjoyed some time to rest. Thankful for Matt and Katie and Chelsea for standing in the gap. It's a practice at the end of a year that I take to kind of review the year professionally, personally, and think about all that's gone on in the past year. So I did that, and then I came back here, and I spent some time with our elders and our staff, and we just reflected on what God has done in 2022 in our church family. So if you're here this morning, uh, maybe for the first time, we're going to pull the curtain back for a little bit and just like take you on a trip over the past year. Um, In this past year, we've uh, celebrated weddings of a couple that met here at our church. So that was fun. We have walked with each other through some pretty dark and difficult times. Guys, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this time last year, we were over at Sherwood. All right. A lot has happened in this year. Uh, This time last year, we had no classes before the service. And now we have nine classes from, again, nursery to adults that happened before the service because a lot of you invest and make those things happen. This past year, we've welcomed over 30 some new members. Uh, We've started new community groups. Some of you have started attending in this past year. We are thankful for all that God's done in 2022 and looking forward to what God's going to do in 2023. But here's the thing, years change, but the mission of our church doesn't, right? We still want to be making disciples that make a difference. We still want to be following this king that we're reading about in Mark. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to look again at this king. Pray with me. Mighty and merciful Father, would you speak to us through your word this morning? Help us to be those who hear and see our Savior in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Before the service started, I was out in the lobby and I was uh, catching up with the Glaze boys and some of their friends. They were giving me the scoop on the elementary basketball scene. They were letting me know they got a W this weekend. And that reminded me uh, of a story I shared with a few of you years ago. Uh, so if you heard it, I apologize. A story of mistaken identity. All right. Um, Summer after my freshman year of college, I'm in Myrtle Beach. I'm at a leadership development uh, project, and uh, I'm playing in a pickup hoops game, all right? The guy that I'm guarding is wearing a Furman University football t-shirt, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? That's nice, right? Like, uh, this guy has uh, used his athletic ability to get him into a school that he probably otherwise wouldn't be able to get into, right? Kind of a jerky thing to think. Not an altogether crazy thing to think, right? I mean, a lot of young kids leverage their athletic abilities uh, to get them into a school maybe they wouldn't be able to get into just on academics alone. So it's not an altogether crazy thought, but I was altogether wrong. You see, I had a chance to grab lunch with this guy later, and we actually spent the summer together, and I found out it wasn't an uh, athletic scholarship he was on there at Furman University. It was an academic scholarship that he was on there. All right, like, in fact, he was actually one of the top students at the entire university. He went on to go to grad school at some school out west called Stanford, where he got his PhD. Uh, he was also uh, awarded the annual reviews prize for physical chemistry. He is currently a professor at a top university published in publications like the Journal of Physical Chemistry. One of his recent articles, Optical Control of Ground State Atomic Orbital Alignment, all right? I don't know what it says. Uh, So (laughs) 
here's the thing. Uh, it was a case of mistaken identity. Like I didn't accurately judge who I was with. And the reality is the consequences for misjudging this guy that was crushing me on the basketball court, it was actually like it was not all that consequential. I, I would have missed out on kind of this glimpse of someone who had become a renowned scholar. But there is one who, if you misjudge his identity, if you come to him and you don't understand who he is, the consequences are significant. Right? Like it's, in 2023, it can be really hard to be a high school student. Right? In, in, this, in this day and age, you can face trials and challenges in marriage and in singleness, in parenting and in infertility. Trying to live a life of faith with the brokenness in the world out there and a brokenness inside here can be really hard. And what makes the difference is getting the identity of Jesus Christ right. Understanding who he is and what he's done. And this, these, these 13 verses that we're looking at this morning, um, they give us a preview, a glimpse of his true identity. And he gives that preview for a purpose. He wants his disciples to understand something. So this morning, we're going to look at this preview and this purpose. All right, so the chapter 9 opens up. Begins with Mark recording the words of Jesus. Last week, Matt looked at him. Jesus is talking about the journey that he's on. And even though Peter doesn't really want to hear it, Jesus is saying, hey, yeah, I am headed to the cross. My journey involves suffering and contempt, and I'm going to the cross. And then Jesus says this call to discipleship, Matt pointed it out last week, this costly call to discipleship means you're called to follow me on that same path. The path that Jesus calls his followers on is one of self-denial. It's one that leads to the cross. And if you're listening closely to it and considering it, at some point you're going to find yourself saying, well, like, why would I do that? Is it really worth it? Right? Like, why don't I just date like everybody else dates? Right? Like, why... Everyone around me is kind of compromising on their contracts in this whole contracting world. Why don't I just do that? Why don't I just ignore the outcast like everyone else does? It's just kind of easier to do that. And then comes verse 1 of chapter 9. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not test death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's letting his disciples know and he's letting us know that, yes, there is suffering. Yes, this path leads to the cross, but there is a glory after the cross. And for some of you right now, I want you to see a preview of that. I want you to get a taste and a glimpse of that glory. That's what he's up to. You guys know how previews work, right? Like, you know what a preview is. Kids, you even know what a preview is, okay? Rumor has it, there's a movie coming out. It's called Super Mario Brothers, all right? Even some of you adults have to be honest and admit you back in the day, you played some Super Mario Brothers. But the movie's not out, all right? You can't see it till like April 7th. But you know what is out? A preview. You go and watch the preview. It is, it is the real thing. It is a portion of the real thing. Jack Black's voice, everything else. You see a portion of the real movie, and it lets you know what is to come. This kind of whole confusing thing on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's a preview. It's letting you know something 
that is to come. And so Mark lets us know, hey, Peter, James, and John, they start heading up the mountain. He takes these three disciples up the mountain. And just so you know, the early readers of that would have been tipped off like something's happened. Why? Because on the mountain, that's where God reveals himself. Right on the mountain, uh, we're going to meet Moses and Elijah, but they both had their mountaintop experiences. So the, the early readers would have been queued up. Something's going down. Uh, Jesus takes these three disciples up onto the mountain, and then all of a sudden, they get up there, and Jesus is transformed. All right, like he's radiant, he's brilliant, a whiter white than can be imagined. And it says that the disciples, they are afraid and terrified. And then all of the sudden, it tells us that Moses and Elijah are there, right? All of a sudden, these disciples see Jesus radiant as can be imagined, and he's talking to Moses and Elijah. Just to bring us all up to speed, remember Moses. Moses, the guy that receives the Ten Commandments. Moses, the guy that leads God's people on the Exodus. Remember the Exodus out of slavery and into freedom. Moses has his own mountaintop experiences, all right, so, so Moses is there. In fact, Moses experienced the radiance of God's glory. Do you remember that? It's different though, right? It was a reflected radiance, right? Like Moses, Moses became radiant himself, but his radiance faded after he left the mountain, right? Um, it was a reflected glory. The radiance of Jesus is not reflected. He is the source of that glory. It emanates from him. So Moses up there, Elijah's up there. Again, Elijah, great prophet of the Old Testament. All right, Elijah, who has his own mountaintop experiences. If you go, so we're like, man, what's up with Moses and Elijah? When we read that, it might not click with us, but trust me, when Peter, James, and John experienced that, and really when the early church would have read that, they would have said, of course, because you know what? If you open up your Bibles, and if you look at the last two verses of the Old Testament, you want to know what those last two verses of the Old Testament talk about, really the last three verses? Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, who do they talk about? Moses and Elijah. And so here these guys are. They're on top of the mountain. And then look, look at what our friend Peter says, all right? Verses 5 and 6. All this is going down, and Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. <laughs> for he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Peter, bless his heart, right? You know, I love that, that Mark records that like he didn't know what to say. So what does he do? He says something right? Like some of us are people like that. And some of us have people like that in our lives, right? Like Peter didn't know what to say. And so he says something. And to us, like what's up with these tents? Like that seems like a strange reflex. Again, it would have made perfect sense in the time because what he's saying is like, God's glory has shown up here. What do you do when God's glory shows up? You build a tabernacle, you build a temple, you build something, and you do this for all kinds of reasons, to provide protection, to separate us from the glory, all kinds of reasons. But Peter says, hey, this is incredible. We should build a tabernacle, a temple, because you know what? Peter wants to stay there. Right? Peter's like, this is great. Let's just stay here. Because in his mind, here's what's happening. He's thinking, uh, 
He's thinking this is the main feature. Get this. He's thinking like, oh, the kingdom has come. It's go time. It's all done. We're good to go. This is the main feature. He's missing the fact that this is a preview. And for Peter, it would be great if it was the main feature, right? Because that means we don't have to go through all that suffering bit and all that cross bit. Like, it would just be great if this was the main feature right now, but it's not. It's just a preview. And so a cloud comes, a voice comes and says, this is my son, my beloved son. Uh, Listen to him. And then just as suddenly as all this happened... It's over. Screen goes black. Everyone's gone. And then just Jesus is left. And they take a walk back down the mountain. And Jesus says, hey, guys, I know you just saw some crazy stuff. But I'm going to need you not to talk about this until I rise from the dead. And again, that just cues up some more questions. They're like, what, hey, uh, what's going on with this rise from the dead stuff? And like, I thought when Elijah comes, it's all over. He's going to restore all things. And what Jesus does for them, really, this is a question about timing again. And they're really just trying to see, can't we just get out of this suffering? And Jesus says this, hey, um, and Matthew lets us know some of this as well. Elijah is really speaking about John the Baptist, the true and greater Elijah. And, um, hey, guys, you know how they treated John the Baptist, right? You know what they did to him. And I've told you what they're going to do to me. You just need to understand that's the same path you're on if you're following Jesus. It's going to involve suffering. It's going to involve uh, mistreatment. It's going to involve hardship. So, So that's the preview. But he's telling them this for a purpose. He wants them to see something. What's the purpose of this preview? Um, It's to encourage disciples as they prepare and endure this suffering. All right, if you're going to endure suffering and hardship, you need to have an experience where you see exactly who Jesus is. You're going to have to see, is it worth it? More importantly, you're going to have to see, is he worthy? And so that's what this preview and this purpose is about. It does it in a number of ways. This preview shows it in a number of ways, but I want to focus in on one way it shows it to us, all right? And it comes from verse 3. If you look at verse 3, that's when it says that, that Peter, James, and John saw Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. I don't know what your mind does when you read verses like this, but my mind does all kinds of things. One, it says like, I wonder when and how they realized it was Moses and Elijah, right? It's not like there were pictures around, right? It's not like they were following Moses and Elijah on the gram. Like, how did they finally realize like, oh, yo, that's Moses. That's Elijah. But at some point they realize who it is. My mind also wonders like, I wonder what Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus about. Like, what's that conversation like? Is Jesus like, yo, fellas, you got to meet this Peter guy, right? Like, he's a hot mess, but you're going to love him, all right? Like, he's great, you know? If you get in a fight in a parking lot, Peter's your guy. We just got to train him up some, help him get him on the right path. Thankfully, we're not left to Rob's weird imagination when it comes to what this conversation was about. All right, Luke, you know, remember Mark's just racing through things. Luke slows down a little bit. So Luke chapter nine, verse 31, he lets us know what they are talking about. 
Luke tells us that uh, they were speaking about Jesus's, it says, departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And here's the thing. Um, that word departure there that's used, Jesus's departure, he's talking about his death. But you know what the word is? Exodus. It says Jesus was talking about his exodus that he was going to accomplish at Jerusalem. So here you have uh, the leader of the first exodus, Moses, talking with the leader of the second and greater exodus, Jesus, about what he's going to do at Jerusalem. What's going to go down there? Jesus is saying... Um, He's helping his disciples with this issue, and it's an issue that we have too. We often think that um, suffering and glory are like mutually exclusive. But Jesus is saying, no, suffering will lead to glory. Peter can't get in his mind that this king will face contempt. Jesus is helping him understand that. He's talking with Moses and Elijah about his suffering leading to salvation, how what the world thinks looks like failure will lead to true freedom. Suffering and salvation. I want you to think about the gospel of Washington, D.C. The gospel of Washington, D.C. often says, well, if you're just smart enough, if you can dial in your decision-making enough, you can avoid suffering. Right? Like the, things, the reason things keep going wrong in your life is you just don't have your decision-making skills dialed in. Or if you can acquire enough possessions and, and get enough money, then you can experience true freedom. That's the gospel of Washington, D.C. Sometimes even religious people are tempted to think, well, maybe, maybe it's just being good. Like if I could just be good enough, then these problems would stop happening over and over again in my life. I'm just not good enough. And the message of Christianity and the message of Jesus Christ, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. If you decide to follow me, you will face trials. But I will be with you. Right? It, what, what you need, because here's the thing. In your suffering, in your trials, if you face them apart from Christ, here's what happens. They will crush you. Or your sufferings and trials will lead you to be a bitter person. Sometimes you encounter those people in your life and you can see by the look on their face and the vibe they give off that some sort of trials have just turned them into a bitter person. Sufferings and trials can lead you to despair. They can lead you to turn away from Christ unless, unless you see who he truly is and what he's truly done. A few things that this, this encounter on the top of the mountain shows us. It shows us Jesus is the true and better tabernacle. All right? What do I mean by that? Again, Old Testament, God's glory was in the tabernacle. It was in the temple. If it showed up outside of that, like with Moses and Elijah, you had to be hidden from it. But Jesus says, no, the glory is here now. It's come to you. John says that Jesus dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And here's the thing. He is the glorious one who has shown up. And you and I, we're hardwired to pursue and go after the glorious one. Often we mistakenly do it by going after political leaders or sports heroes or a girlfriend or a boyfriend thinking that's the glorious one that will give me what I need. 
Sometimes we um, delusionally think ourselves the glorious one. But no, God's glory has shown up in Jesus, and he's the only one that can bear the weight of glory, bear the weight of our worship. A true and better tabernacle is here. Maybe you're here this morning and wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Christ. I would be happy to sit down and talk with you, and we could see where in your life you are going after glory. It will not lead to true life. Only this glorious one will. Only the true and better tabernacle will. He is the one. He's the better tabernacle. He's the final sacrifice. Remember the first exodus? Remember the first exodus had this sacrifice of the Passover lamb. God's judgment was escaped because a lamb gave its life. The second exodus comes about we receive escape from God's judgment because Jesus gives his life. And that brings true and lasting freedom. He's a better tabernacle. He's a final sacrifice. And he's a, he is the true and greater hero. Right? Again, we're all captivated by hero stories. I don't care if it's Odysseus or Harry Potter or Black Panther. Right? We're all after the hero Think about this walk down the mountain. Jesus says, don't tell this story until when? Until after I rise from the dead. You see, the journey of the Christian leads to the cross, but it doesn't end at the cross. There is a resurrection when all things are made new. When all wrongs are put right. We want to catch a glimpse of that Jesus. In this new year, 2023, let me ask you, have you met this glorious one? Sometimes you're going to find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. What you need to remember is the one on the mountaintop. Have you seen him in his word? Do you have a plan for 2023 to see him in his word? Do you have a plan to join a community group? Maybe this is your year to join a community group. Don't do it just to do it. Do it because that's where you can see who Christ is and what he's done. You're going to need that to get through this year. Uh, spoiler alert. Every sermon for this year is going to point us to who Jesus is and what he's done. We have no other message. It's the only one that will give us the hope and courage we need to navigate this week ahead and this year ahead. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word and for the fact that it gives us a glimpse. It gives us a preview of who your son is. This glorious one. This one that loves us enough to lay down his life that we might have freedom and joy and rescue from our brokenness. Father, open our eyes. Help us in this week ahead to see and encounter him through your word and through our friends. Pray you would do this by your grace and for your glory. Amen.